There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We may be able to identify the great leadership qualities of pastors and Christian leaders here in Australia. Their ability to lead congregations, build churches, establish centres of influence on communities and mobilise mission to unreached people groups around the world. They do a great job. But turning our attention today to some pastors and leaders in areas around the world where there is persistent and dangerous persecution, what makes those pastors tick? How do they sustain that sort of optimism needed for leading believers and growing disciples and caring for people with their very lives constantly in danger? Well, we're turning our attention to the character of pastors who navigate intense persecution. Etienne McClintock is back with us. He's head of communications at that wonderful organisation called Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Pleasure to be with you again. Etienne, just reminded of that scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says, We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. The Bible is not silent on the dangers that leaders face. And we want to talk about pastors. Uh, You send pastors, support pastors, you're doing all sorts of good things, and they have special character traits that make them strong enough to be able to stand up in their own circumstances. Well, yes, that's true. But we're not dealing with supermen per se. Some of these men are just ordinary men. You wouldn't have known they have that kind of metal within their within their being to be that resilient and resistant to persecution and oppression and opposition. But these men are motivated by one thing, and that's their love for God, their love for Christ because of what he's done in their lives. And then also their love for their fellow human beings who they believe have to hear the gospel of Christ so they might be saved by it. So that's what motivates them. It's not necessarily that they are superhuman or any different to you and me. They just have a motivation called agape love, which is a self-sacrificing love that will do anything for the sake of Christ and his gospel. Sometimes we talk about sustaining the church in those communities where there is persecution. Mm. No doubt, oftentimes, these pastors, as you say, they're not superhuman, uh, but there is something special about them. There is a stickability that they have, which uh, many of us might decide that we want to flee, but they'll stay and they'll fight the good fight. So raised up within the very communities and used to what's happening with persecution in their, in their nation. This has always been a curious thing for me, but we see it so often in the testimonies of those who are being persecuted, that where persecution is real and serious and people have to take great risks just to simply believe the gospel or share the gospel or to share the Bible, or even have access to the Bible or own a Bible, it seems like their testimony and their example to others engenders some level of confidence 
that other people are interested or prepared to share the same kind of fate and risk just when they get their hands on the scriptures and they come to know about Jesus. God means more to them than life itself. And it's interesting, you know, we have many Bibles in our house. These people eat, breathe, and sleep the Word of God if they can get their hands on it. They treasure it. Even children treasure the Bible. And, of course, we have many pastors that will uh, smuggle Bibles in on our behalf, those frontline workers, and take those risks. But I've got just a story here from a local pastor. It says, Our family would like to express their heartfelt gratitude and appreciation on behalf of our church for your gifts. Through your generosity and support, we were able to place a Bible in the hands of each of the children. They have never had a Bible, and they wanted it badly. Your gift and generosity was a perfect provision to every one of them. Thank you so much again. So we see that even children treasure and want the Word of God badly. Now, Neil, I was nine years old when I got my first Bible. I got it for a birthday present. I had my eye on a little toy that I wanted, and my dad (laughs) gave it to me. I was bitterly disappointed, although I never told them. But these children have a different mindset because of the role models they see in their pastors and also in their parents who are Christian. Role models, that's an important way of looking at those pastors because As we were reading there about the Apostle Paul uh, facing those dangers and being able to stand firm, uh, you've got this thought that there are pastors in the persecuted church who have faced those dangers and the people who are following them, people who are hearing their testimony, sitting under their teaching, they know that that pastor has faced those dangers. Lots of credibility in that, isn't there, when you are a leader of people who are disciples and wanting to learn and follow Christ. That's that's correct, Neil. We find that when pastors go in and they take the risk, they've actually counted the cost and know what it might cost them and their families. Now, that text you just read there by the Apostle Paul, when we read it by imagination, we can enter into that. We may have seen stories. We may have read stories about that. But when these pastors read that text in the Bible, that's their experience they're reading about. It's very different to our experience in the West. And we've always found that persecution has brought a different kind of Christian. You know, when things tend to go easy, human nature being what it is, we tend to go a little bit easy as well. Well, they don't have the, I guess, the pleasure or the privilege of going easy in those countries where they are. For example, we have one of our frontline pastors who came to the Lord um, just a few years ago. He was actually before that a Tao shaman. And uh, he experienced the Lord. He quit his old idols. He was beaten by the village. He was persecuted. He was fined for being a Christian at the same time, oppressed by the local authorities. But he still followed Jesus because of his experience, because Christ actually freed him from his drug addiction and also from many other vices that he caused sin. And when he kept his faith, he started sharing the gospel with the villagers. Gradually, the whole village in his area actually came to Christ. But due to persecution from those around them, Many believers fled to other provinces in the center of Vietnam. Now, he said, I wanted to run away from persecution as well, but there was no one left to take care of the church. So therefore, he decided to stay. You know, it would be easy to escape that kind of, kind of uh, persecution and, you know, that you'll be injured or even killed. But uh, there was no shepherds for the church, so he decided to become the sh- shepherd. And the Lord used him to plant many churches in that place. He said he's used him and even some of the other people he's one now who he calls Tao preachers to establish churches in, in China even. So they've even crossed the border. And so now he's the mission leader in his province in charge of 10 churches. So this is sometimes today you have a choice between having an easier life and the life that Christ has called you to. And many, many times we see these pastors taking that more difficult choice, but the more rewarding choice ultimately 
and following Christ and bringing many others to Christ. Well, I love it when you describe these pastors not as superhuman, and you tell that story of a pastor who almost has a reluctance there. But you can, I can just sort of picture this now. There they are with this recognition that as I've looked over my shoulder, there's no one else to lead these people. Sheep how without a shepherd, I, yeah. yeah. How can I leave the sheep without a shepherd? And, mm. and so when we say what is it that sustains someone in a role of leadership like that when they could be arrested, when they could be imprisoned, they could be tortured, they could be even executed, but yes. they decide to stay. Incredible, isn't it, that they uh, would actually make those decisions. But as I said again at the very beginning, when you're motivated by agape, now, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 that agape, the love of God, casts out fear. So when you have that agape love, which is a self-sacrificing love, which is shed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, if we read Romans chapter 5, verse 5, you have a different motivation. You love in a way you've never loved before. You put God first and the second great commandments to love your neighbor as yourself. You want what you want for yourself. You want for your neighbor as well. And even prepare to lady in your life for the sake of getting your neighbour saved. Eddie, there are hotspots around the world. Uh, The numbers of people who are persecuted now at high levels, uh, from what I understand, uh, numbering up in the 360 million mark, which is a huge number of people who are under persecution, uh, there are, though, some nations where they are particularly uh, in really grave danger Uh, Which ones do you focus on that are under particular dangers right now? Right. Well, at the moment, we have some work into Afghanistan. Since the the crisis that happened there, you know, with the withdrawal of troops by the U.S. and the um, allies, including Australia, we were able to extract quite a number of Christians there. There were 23 leaders. They were Muslim background believers in particular that we were able to extract over a period of time. We tried seven times out of Kabul. Finally, we had to get them out of Majir al-Sharif. They were orphans, they were widows, there were about two or three hundred of those. Matter of fact, when we got them into Kabul, uh, we couldn't get them through the airport. Um, they fired on them, so we had to get them into a safe house. Now, how do you get 300 people into safe houses? That was very difficult. We were able to do that. They were actually mingling amongst the Taliban there, but they all dressed the same. And then finally, we were able to get them out. Um, we also work, of course, into other countries. Uh, China, we do a fair bit of work. Middle East, we're doing a lot of work now. We're actually getting the Bible translated into um, the language that Jesus spoke, which was Aramaic. There's not a lot of Bibles available in that language, so that's one of our projects that we're working on. But uh, like you said, you know, 360 million people living in high-risk areas, it's remarkable. But on a day like today, um, 16 Christians will die for their faith on average. 17 Christians will be unjustly arrested, detained, or imprisoned. 10 Christians will be kidnapped. Now, all those numbers are up on the previous year, and they've been going up consecutively for the last 16 years. Some of us will be saying, how do I get involved? I'm not going to be just entertained by stories like this. Mm. I want to know how I can make a practical difference and how I can resource some of those pastors who are on the front line. Actually, they decided to stay even sometimes reluctantly, and they recognize there's real danger. How do people resource those pastors on the front line and those who will go into new and dangerous areas because they want to take the gospel? 
Well, look, we have many opportunities. We actually have more needs than we have resource at the moment. So if people want to get involved other than just praying for these pastors, which is very important, but they want to say financially supported, they can go to vom.com.au and they can go to the donate button. And there they can have a number of options, but if they click on Frontline Ministries, they can support that. For example, my wife and myself have just been talking about supporting a motorbike for pastors who look after 10 or 15 churches in rural areas where they have to try and take public transport or hitchhike or bicycle or whatever they do. And for $1,500, we can actually supply a pastor with a motorbike. That becomes like the family vehicle. I've seen up to five people sitting on an ordinary motorbike like that when they travel around in certain parts of Asia. Um, or they can just sponsor a, Bible, a pastor for a set of theology books. Uh, that's about $30. Send a, a, a pastor, an a intern pastor to a Bible college for a month. That's $95. So there's a number of options available to them. And, you know, you mentioned those figures. It doesn't sound like a lot of money for the average Aussie. Mm. And it can make a huge difference, though, to be able to resource those pastors with some of those things that they need. Etienne, let me put people into contact with Voice of the Martyrs and perhaps even direct contact with you. They might even have questions, and I know that you'll be happy to talk to people if they do make that connection. Etienne McClintock, he's Head of Communications at Voice of the Martyrs, V-O-M, Voice of the Martyrs, vom.com.au is that website. And, of course, uh, there's always a number of campaigns that you can support uh, but why don't you support this one? It's all about frontline ministry. vom.com.au. Etienne McClintock, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and heart with us again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Been a pleasure being with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 